I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright. This is the podcast where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions? Today's guest is a sports presenter, best known for his live coverage of Rugby Union on Sky Sports. Alex Payne was one of the youngest presenters on the channel when he started, and he's now the lead presenter of their coverage of English and European rugby and host coverage of England's internationals. He also hosts House of Rugby, as well as the very, very popular podcast, which I listen to from time to time, The Good, The Bad and The Rugby. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Um, let's briefly talk about these past few months. I know we're all frustrated and sick of the current situation, but let's start with maybe some of the positives for you um, during this year and, and how strange it's been. <laughs> it's so funny. It was a lovely introduction. Thank you very much indeed for that. While I was actually doing it, I'm actually WhatsApping my wife asking her to prevent my children from walking into my office because they go straight <laughs> out to the balcony. Um, and they'll invariably arrive in about 30 seconds' time with a couple of guinea pigs, which I've had probably half a dozen times over the last six months, just sort of children flying past in the background. Um, it's fairly sort of symptomatic of the world right now, which is just all over the place, really. I don't know how it's been for you, but it's been it's been a very, very curious nine months. Um, I, and actually, invariably, I sort of go to the challenges, but there have been some really nice bits around it as well. We have spent a lot of time together as a family, um, and we're still alive, so you know that's that's probably the, the positives. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite an experience. It's been extraordinary how much life has changed and how quickly it's changed. But um, we're planning on. I'm quite enjoying the challenge actually. I sort of tend to be quite a positive person. I'm, I'm quite enjoying the various crises I'm going through and trying to work our way through them. Yeah, and I think someone said to me the other day, they were like, imagine if someone, say, a year ago had said, next year you're going to have like this this block of time where you've got nothing to do. And the the way that we probably would have approached this so differently, I think, for so many people with a bit of hindsight. Um, and actually just kind of, I wonder how it's been for you just being forced into that sort of slower pace of life, if you like. Has, has music kind of come into it at all for you? Or has it been sort of go, go, go in terms of just working from home and, and keeping that sort of momentum going? Um, well, music, funny, I've been so excited about doing this because, um, you know, I, I am, I love, I love my music and I never really talk about it and I never really get the chance to talk about it. Um, it, I, I do think lockdown has sort of split people into two categories. Either you are in that go, go, go. And I definitely feel at the moment I'm sprinting almost to standstill. I've just got all sorts of 
dramas and excitements going on. We've obviously launched our new podcast, as you mentioned, The Good, The Bad and The Rugby after two very happy years um, doing The House of Rugby. And so we've, we've launched a new production company and a new podcast and doing all of that from home without actually being able to see each other has been quite interesting. I've had more time on Zoom with James Haskell and Mike Tindall than I possibly would have chosen, but, you know, <laughs> needs must right now. Um, you know, I've got a fundraise going on for my tech business, which, you know, I know we've spoken about in the past, the room. Um, so that has not been the easiest of challenges, finding money at this point in time, but we're slowly getting there with that. Home education, I've been utterly hopeless at, and the kids going back to school, I think, was an act of mercy from whoever was watching. Um, and yeah, it has been, it has been, um, it's been quite a, it has been quite a challenge. And either, either you're in that category, as I said, that go, 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 or you're sort of lying back with a cigarette and a, a cocktail and just sort of drifting through waiting for things to happen. Um, I'm quite envious of friends of mine who've, who've just sort of, I suppose, you know, ha- had the chance to put proper downtime in, but, um, sadly mine's been that sprinting on the treadmill to, to basically stand still type of life. But, um, well, and I think you're very fun. passionate, it's- aren't you? You're passionate about what you do as well. So I think, you, you know, you can fall into a category where as well, you, you love to work and that you get something out of that, don't you? Yeah. And, and you know that as, as well as I do. I, yeah, I absolutely. I would agree with you. I, I love the, I love the challenge of it. Um, you know, the, the, the sort of the broadcasting side of my career has has changed quite dramatically, certainly in the last couple of years. I mean, Sky don't have a lot of rugby anymore. I'm still on very good terms with them and speak to them quite regularly. But it's not the job that it once was, which was 42 weekends a year away from home. Um, and that was quite a challenge at the time. But, you know, I, I still sort of get out and about I'm at most of the Twickenham games and sort of see you doing your thing there. And, um you know, I, I still have a great passion for the sport, but I've definitely, you know, I'm obsessed now with this company I'm building and, and um, you know, the growth that we're, we're going through at the moment has been brilliant. I'm really into doing my own thing. And actually, funny enough, you know, the, the life of a an entrepreneur, uh, as George Bush would say, is, is pretty turbulent, but actually it's quite nice at the moment to almost have my destiny in my own hands. Um, and that's something yeah. that I've definitely been searching for for a long, long time. But it's something, you know, at this point, you know, I can make my own decisions um, and my successes and my failures are solely down to me. And that's, yeah. it's quite a challenge, but it's also quite a nice place to be at this point. I love that. And and for people who might not know, let's go back to how your kind of television career started, if you like. So give us a little bit of a rundown of how you got into, you know, the, the world of rugby um, and, and how that was for you. And now, obviously, like you've mentioned, you know, how much you've broadened your horizons. It's amazing. And I think it's a nice, nice thing for people to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very, very lucky in that I I got my dream job. So um, I was a huge sports fan growing up. I was obsessed with rugby, and I used to I used to basically plan my week around watching rugby special on a Sunday. I used to video every single game that was on on the television. I used to re- uh, record on VHS, you know, every episode of rugby special back when Chris Rear was presenting it and then John Inverdale. And I, I just loved it to bits. And I, I remember vividly my parents saying, will you please find something more constructive to do with your time? <laughs> you know, you're, you're never going to end up talking about rugby on the television. And I, I occasionally sort of remind them that actually, you know, I was very lucky to turn a passion into, into a job. Um, I started doing work experience when I was about 20 at Sky. I actually started on Soccer AM. I wrote letters and letters and letters saying, please, can I come? Did you? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, PO Box and whatever it was. Um, And I started on Soccer AM with back when Lovejoy and Helen Chamberlain were doing it. And they were next to the rugby department um, in at Sky Towers. 
but but the rugby was was where I always wanted to be. So I basically crossed the corridor, made tea and coffee for the right people. Um, <laughs> I ended up amazingly on the Lions tour in two thousand and one as a production runner. So I spent my entire year's student loan um, on two months in Australia, which was a oh, lot of wow. fun. But yeah, it was incredible. And and from that moment, really, my my the fires were lit. I just knew what it was that I wanted to do. Bizarrely, I was reading history of art at Edinburgh University, but sort of couldn't get through my degree fast enough. I just wanted to get into into Sky, into broadcasting. Again, started full-time collecting sandwiches and doing the photocopying and all the dog's body jobs. Um, and then just was very, very lucky. It happened very quickly. A couple of people left. Um, one person wasn't able to go on the Lions tour in 2005. And so suddenly I went from T-boy to reporter. Um, that was a hell of a tour. It was I was going to say, what ne- what was, was that awful. like for you? What was that like going from, you know, actually then putting sort of, I don't know, being in front of the camera and being put in that position? And did you feel ready or did you, you know, because no. we all have to start somewhere. What was that like? Yeah, um, that is a very good question. And I wonder whether you sort of empathise with it really, um, you know, performing in public. I never did any performing at all. I never spoke in public. I never did any acting. I never did any... Um, you know, debating on that kind of stuff. I I literally, it just never really crossed my radar at school, but I did have this great passion for the sport. So I had a great kind of confidence in the subject matter. Um, And then, I mean, it literally happened overnight. The first time I ever went live with a microphone was at the army Navy game in about 2004, I think it would have been. And I, I, I was so I was 24. I probably looked about 12, which doesn't really <laughs> help say, you in that sort of. You look about yeah. 24 now, Alex. <laughs> or, or, oil of Yule twice a day, or oil of, oil of Yule twice a day. But I, um, yeah, I ended up kind of you know just being literally thrown in at the deep end, and I didn't really have time to get worried about it. Um, I just remember being unbelievably nervous, and and in in New Zealand, you know, I went from T boy to reporter in about six months, and on a Lions tour, which is you know still for me the most special thing in sport. Yeah, um, and I re- I remember you know I didn't sleep Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays before a, a two minute live from the touchline on a Saturday. Um, and it is funny how you go on this journey and, and you'll have done it exactly the same in your career where you are terrified about the small stuff. And then once you've done it a fair amount, you actually kind of relish it and enjoy it. Um, and I remember sort of just even start, I, I, I came back from the Lions tour and I then ended up on Sky Sports News and um, I was very lucky really. I just sort of got scooped up and, and helped a lot. I was pretty hopeless for vast parts of my early career, but they just kind of very kindly stuck with me. And, and eventually you grow that kind of confidence um, to be able to survive. And I've gone from being utterly terrified of, of live television and only ever wanting to kind of get everything right. And I sort of ended up in a place now where I absolutely love it when it goes wrong. And, and those are the moments that I enjoy the most and I look forward to the most. And in some ways you kind of end up engineering because it's it's when, you know, the crap starts flying that that's, that's when you kind of test yourself as a presenter. Um, definitely, definitely. So it's been a long old journey. Yeah. And I think I completely agree with you. And I think that's what's interesting about this year when you talk to people, a lot of people who are in some sort of creative industry, actually the fact that there's this, you know, we're all up against it, if you like, in one way or another, we're finding ways to get round, you know, get round certain obstacles in life. And actually it does bring out the best in you in some ways. Um, and I agree with you. It's when things go wrong that you get those moments. I remember when my, my well, like it was a time at 
uh, Twickenham, I was singing Jerusalem and my mic didn't work. Something completely out of your control. And then it was yeah. like, you know, I had nothing on me apart from just to put my arms up in the air and smile. And actually that yeah. kind of was endearing to the crowd. And then it created a really wonderful kind of moment. And like you say, you know, had that not happened, had that mistake not happened, then I wouldn't have had that that memory and that experience. Um, so I, I agree with you. Um, I want to ask you growing up though, was, was coming back to music, was that a big part of your life or, you know, was it, um, was music escapism for you when you were younger or was it something that you enjoyed as a family? Tell me a bit about that. So, um, it was a huge part of my life and, um, I, I have quite a curious relationship with music, which is that I sort of went through that journey when you're seven, eight, nine, ten of playing the piano and I played the piano and I actually played the clarinet and the recorder, an absolute sort of orchestra of, of abilities. <laughs> and I was absolutely useless. And I was that I think we were kid. all useless at the recorder, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> yes, very true. There was a lot. Of, occasionally I get sent these sort of viral tunes of kids swallowing their recorder and it just sounded <laughs> like someone being garroted. And I was, <laughs> I was that child. Um, and I, you know, I, I played for years and years and years and I was still doing bar bar black sheet with one hand at the end of six or seven years of tuition. <laughs> and I, I just sort of, it fell apart. And the, the, but but the flip side of it is, that, and this sounds a bit odd, I always really, really enjoyed singing. And I went to a, a tiny little prep school down in the country and I, I was in the choir there. And, you know, you used to have your sort of class, um, boy bands is not quite the right expression, but you'd have your sort of, you know, your, your, um, you'd, you'd have five or six mates and you'd, ha- you'd have a little group together. Um, and actually then I, funny enough, and I, I can't, I don't know if I've ever told you this before. I'm, I'm definitely very sad if I haven't, but I actually went to a, a senior school and we sort of went in the choir there in my first year. And we actually, Laura, would you believe, reached number one in the classical charts singing no. a, Christmas car- a Christmas carol medley that was number I one. I didn't in the know this. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, my, it's, a, it's about my greatest achievement, age 13. It's rather <laughs> sad, really. But um, I, I use it nowadays to do nothing more than really irritate people just as a sort of, you know, to get up their nose. But so, so my relationship with music was 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 really um you know i'm really passionate about it um and it's my probably my biggest regret now that i didn't persist with the piano in particular my my greatest greatest mate is one of those people who can sit down and just you know whatever you want him to play he plays and i just think that that is it's such a great ability to have um i was bang average certainly at playing i was pretty average at singing but i have just got that little number 1 in my in my locker yeah, uh, nice. I, think you can I love that. You can purchase the CD actually, Christmas at Harrods. It's probably Alex, about don't say you think you think you think you can yeah. purchase. You know exactly yeah. where you can purchase. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to drive sales through this podcast yeah. just to try and get us back into the charts again. Tough times. Um, it's then, 2020. Yeah. It's tough times. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> I think um I think that's so lovely to hear though, because I mean lots of people talk about it, but we see this is why there's endless programs and, and um experiences that you can join choirs and there's scientific evidence that shows it does lift your mood it doesn't matter if you're good at singing or not clearly you yeah. were very good at singing at the age of 30 no, I but, really wasn't I, but I even really if wasn't. you weren't even it lifts it lifts your mood and and especially singing with a group of people even better if they're your friends you know it's something that you have yeah. in common it's something that brings you together it's universal and actually I'm not kind of going back to rugby deliberately but you talk about you know your experience in New Zealand I'm sure that during that Lions tour like I experienced the power of people who are passionate about something coming together and singing together is 
absolutely wonderful and yeah. you can break that down however you want and whatever patriotisms are involved but actually at the end of the day a group of people coming together like that and, and singing is is really one of the most unique things I think um, yeah. but I mean as as you'll know anyway I should mention so I, I've given you eight questions and you've you've chosen four of these along with your favorite piece of music so let's let's jump into this first song so this is a song that's always been with you it's a Led Zeppelin song um, tell me a bit about why this this song means so much to you so my first song is Stairway to Heaven and um, I mean you know music has been a huge part of my life and I I have a slightly so my wife thinks I'm mildly autistic and I'm very comfortable with that I build a playlist every year um, so I've got playlists going back to sort of 1993. I've gone back in time and sort of built them. So I, I, I very much sort of live my life in, in a sort of year by year way. And I build a soundtrack to that year, um, which is sort of, which is, I, I, I think that's really it. cool. And, and you can, yeah. you can dip back in time and, and sort of remember the songs that you loved at that point. But funnily enough, Led Zeppelin actually takes me even earlier to probably about six or seven. And I just have this, the extraordinary thing about this song is genuinely, I think I've fallen in love with it three times in my life. It's always been there, but I've loved it for different reasons at different parts of my life. And I remember it very clearly when I was six or seven, probably being played on LP. And I just remember, you know, the opening bit of that song. And it's hugely evocative. It kind of makes me feel incredibly young again. Um, and it is, you know, it's very much a song of its time, but it, it, I suppose it's just sort of, it's just one of those songs that reminds me very much of my childhood. Um, it then sort of cropped back up again at 17, 18. And I, I, I can't really tell you why it came back into my life in a huge, huge way, but I was sort of finding my way in the world. And I remember walking around London. I had a, I, I was one of those kids that backed mini disc over iPod. And I had this socking great mini disc player. They're so they were about, so big, weren't they? They were so big. Um, and I <laughs> to try and I have it like had, on your belt, right? <laughs> very cool, very cool. Um, I probably had about six or seven hundred mini discs, and oh, I, wow. I used to track mark um, on this song the bit where Jimmy Page rips into. I think it's about five and a half minutes yeah. where suddenly the, you know the guitar solo gets going. And I used to be able to go straight to that point. Um, so I, yeah, and I just, again, it then sort of makes me feel quite teenage and quite sort of working it all out. And bizarrely, my son is, uh, he's just turned eight years old and he's absolutely obsessed with the guitar. And it's, um, he's quite a good little guitarist, funnily enough. Um, and he's just started learning really classic songs like Layla, um, yeah. Day Tripper, but he's also learned Led Zeppelin, knowing that it's, um, uh, Stay With Heaven, knowing that it's one of my favourite songs. And now I've got this kind of quite curious um fact that it's sort of re-emerged in my life through my my eight-year-old so yeah I just think it's one of the, one of the greatest songs I love the lyrics um I love the journey it takes you on I love the fact that it's eight minutes or whatever it is um and I just love the fact it's coming in and out of my life in three very different phases um but I would yeah I definitely have it as the as my go-to I think definitely oh I love that right well let's have a little listen to some of Stairway to Heaven before we chat some more a bustle in your hedgerow Don't be alone there It's just a sprinkly for the May Queen Yes, there are two paths you can go by But in the long run
Love it. Is that bringing back some That's nice my memories? my favourite lyric. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed. That was my favourite bit of that song. Oh, love in that. In terms of the lyrics. Yeah, well. so I mean, I think it's um, released in late 1971. And, you know, this is, it's regarded as one of the most, literally most popular rock songs of all time. But when you talk about rock music, I always feel like there's these songs that these bands create that are really sensitive. And there's a way that rock musicians approach a piece of music like this. And, and I think they're very clever with the way that they create it. So it's got kind of three sections to this piece of music and it gradually kind of increases in tempo and in volume. And because I mean, the beginning has got, I think they're sort of flutes or something with this soft acoustic guitar, which you, you just wouldn't Rec- think. Recorders, would maybe, you? recorders. Maybe they're recorders. That's why you love yeah, it so much. I'm not sure they are. I'd be very disappointed <laughs> if they were. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, you could talk about this song all day. And also it was kind of written in that time where it didn't matter that the track was eight minutes, you know, and they, they always played it as eight minutes. And it was kind of that kind of um, musicianship where they just thought, no, this is the way the song is. You know, this is, it, it's in its entirety or nothing at all. And I love that about, about live music too. Um, do yeah. you, do you, is there a favorite version of this that you like listening to? Is there a, a live version or is it, you know, kind of recorded for you? So it's funny you mentioned like I, I absolutely love um, and funny enough, I watch live versions more on, on YouTube now than listen to them. But um, I do love watching amazing bands in a live environment. So I, I keep sort of, and I, I've got more and more into it actually as my boy gets more and more into it. So we keep watching, you know, Noel Gallagher performing in Argentina mm-hmm. is just one of the most amazing kind of, it's almost sort of spiritual. I know that's, that's, that's getting quite intense in it, but I, I love ACDC again. Um, I think they performed in Argentina as well. Some of these, it must be the Argentinian crowds, but there is something very, very cool about these, these sort of bands and these artists who just have the entire crowd in the palm of their hand, the audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the other thing about this song is that it reminds me very much of my parents and I grew up I think there's a podcast somewhere in, in sort of talking about the albums of the car journeys of your youth. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember when we were all on cassettes? You're probably not. Oh, definitely. Not enough, no, no, I remember. All, all about the tape bin in the middle of the car. And I grew yeah. up very much with the Beatles and Elton and amazingly Krista Berg and Andrew Lloyd Webber and John Denver. And my dad was really into country and Western, Dolly Parton. Don that's McLean, a great, that's a great it's kind of really array of music. Yeah, yeah it really was. Um, and everywhere we went, we had, you know, Beach Boys, et cetera. We, had, we always had music on in the car, um, way more than the radio. And, and, and just sort of, you know, Led Zeppelin was, was a really key part of that. And, um, yeah, but I do, th- I, I, I agree with you. I think live music, it's just got, and it's just got something added extra to it, which I, which I love. Definitely. Do you know what I'm just thinking? Cause you mentioned it. Do you know what we had in my dad's car? We had 40 Towers, Blackadder. And then we had um, those, do you remember those like boiled sweets that you'd have in a tin? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> covered in sugar. Covered in called? sugar. I don't know. What were they but I, I remember travel, this. Travel sweets. Travel, travel sweets. sweets. Like yes. And yeah. I remember about a couple of years ago, I remember myself and one of my brothers, I've got three older brothers and Liam was like, we saw them in a garage and I bought two boxes of them. It didn't, <laughs> they weren't quite the same, but you know, when there's sort of six of them stuck together and they're covered in yeah. sugar and, but yeah, those memories definitely. And, and th- this is the thing, you know, it might even be a story rather than a piece of music, but there's always those moments in life and, and that music, I think, brings it to life. So, you know, yeah. I, I guess for you, maybe that was the long car journeys. 
It absolutely was. And yet you've just remembered we had Captain Beak in his band in the car. I don't know. Did that, <laughs> does that mean anything to you or not? Google I, it, means, it means absolutely, absolutely nothing. I'm going to have to Google it now. <laughs> Somebody was taking something very strong when they wrote a, a children's um Is it like the magic roundabout? Captain, a little bit, yeah. Google and, and the like. But it was, um, yeah, Captain Beak in his band sort of goes hand in hand with those car journeys. I love it. Um, Okay, so this is, in fact, we're talking about family already. And this next song is one that screams family for you. So we're moving to the world of classical music. Um, For me, this is one of the most glorious pieces of music, the intermezzo uh, from the opera Cavalleria Rusticana. Tell me what this means to you. So this is, I'm going to do well to hold it together. This is um, (laughs) a piece of music that hit me straight between the eyes. Um, So I... Uh, I've got a little girl and a little boy. My daughter is now um, 11. Um, and she was born at 27 weeks. So she was very, very premature um, and weighed under two pounds when she was born. And it was oh, fairly, wow. so I would have been, I'd probably just been 30, I think. Or maybe I was even 29, 29, 30. Um, and it was, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the most terrifying thing that I've ever gone through. Um, it kind of, my wife went out for a breakfast meeting Um one morning, um, yeah, sort of, yeah, 27 weeks pregnant. And I got a call halfway through the day. I can remember still, I was standing with my head in the fridge trying to work out what to have for lunch. And she said, there's, there's something not quite right. Oh, um, nice. So I collected from the tube and we went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh no, you're fine, you're fine. Uh, but I want you to go up to the hospital. And we got to the hospital and it very quickly sort of became apparent that things weren't that good. Um, and so she was born via emergency cesarean, um, under two pounds, as I say, and it that was must have been a, terrifying. It, it well, it's funny. It, it, yeah, yes, yes, it was. But um, kind of when you're going through it, you go through it, and um, you just kind of get on with it because there isn't really an alternative. And I, I try very hard to be, you know, the rock and the shoulder, but I definitely was absolutely all over the place. Um, and anyway, she was born, it was all quite dramatic. And then she got taken away for six hours. And so my, my wife was then sort of, you know, put back together and and we kind of had this fairly anxious wait. And I remember going up, I was then able to go up and see her. My wife actually wasn't able to, but I went up to see her in in the ICU unit that night. Um, and it was, you know, it was just an absolute whirlwind. But this piece of music, funny enough, you know, you, you get thrown out of the hospital. Um, my wife stayed in and, and, and so did my daughter, Martha. But, you, you know, as a, as, a, as a non-patient, you get sent home at 10 o'clock. And I came home. And I, I cannot tell you where it came from or how I found it or why it came on. But for some reason, I got home and this music came on on my computer or whatever it was or, or the iPod. And it absolutely hit me for six. Um, and I sort of just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I listened to it intensely for, you know, my, my daughter was in hospital for six, seven, eight weeks, I think it was. And my wife came out and then actually wasn't very well and had to go back in again. And this was just the soundtrack of that period. Um, and it just, it just was, it just was sort of on the present. I listened to it every night. It was on my walk, on my um, iPod on my walkman that's taking you back in time and funnily enough and it sort of sounds quite intense again but i i actually made a pact um with my wife i think when we brought my daughter home that i'd listened to it so much that i was absolutely determined that i'd then play it at my my daughter's wedding so i'm not sure she actually knows this but um, already we've got one piece of music inked in should she and if she decides to get married but um and that sort of made me very emotional as well really but it, it just is it just is a, an amazing piece of music. Um, and I know obviously it comes from Raging Bull actually, which I hadn't seen. 
I have seen it subsequently, but um, you know, it's obviously an iconic film score as well. I, I, I do love the movie, but it just is, it's, it's the most beautiful piece of music for what was without a doubt the most intense period of my life. And it, it yeah. I, for many years afterwards, it made me cry even when I, I think I can kind of just about get through it now, but it's, um, it definitely hits you pretty hard where, where, wherever your emotional button is. Yeah, definitely. And I think you've, you know, you've touched on so many things there, I think, which will really resonate for so many people. I know, um, having had a daughter who's uh, nine and a half months old now, I know for Harry, he had that sort of experience, as you mentioned, of having to leave the hospital and, and you don't want to leave and it feels very wrong to do so, but you have to sort of take control in that way that uh, a father, I guess, is it almost expected to sometimes. And and actually, it's one of the things I think that still kind of that mother and father role still kind of remains quite similar to how it's been for many generations. And, and I I suppose it, you, it weighs very heavy on your shoulders as the father to sort of like you say hold it together but I think actually that's what's so wonderful particularly about this piece for you is that it probably allowed you to be like I just need to have you know I just need to have a good cry I need to do what I need to do here um and and yeah. music can give you that give you that time it can be an em- emotive thing in the right way and and actually it's great to be a sort of release in some ways Absolutely. Yeah. I bet Harry hasn't picked Otty's wedding music yet though, has he? He's probably given <laughs> freedom of choice. I mean, I, I, think, d- but- I don't think he can even think about her having a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yes, true, true. <laughs> yes, true. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think though, it's a, it's a very I, unique relationship, I think, that you have with is. your daughter, it a is. father and a daughter. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm happy to admit, I'm, I've never pretended to be an alpha male. I'm, I'm very beta in the way that I'm made up. But, and, and I, you know, I definitely don't, I don't cry a lot, but I, I do love it when I do. There's something, there's something really sort of, there's a heck of a release, an energy release when, when you are able to. Um, but do you not and- find that in, in rugby as well, the sport that you are so involved in that actually I find a lot of these kind of guys and who are very strong physically actually, you know, can be quite soft and gentle Emotional in the way that souls. they talk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at someone, so one of the people I have most respect for in the sport at the moment is, is Joe Marler, who is so, yes. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's so, um, out there in the way that he sets himself up. He is very true to himself, but he's also very happy to, to you know, talk about the challenges he has and the struggles he has, et cetera. Mm. And um, I definitely think the world is changing and for the better and rapidly. And, um, you know, I've, I've always, perhaps I, perhaps I was ahead of the curve in the fact that I've always felt, you know, quite in touch with my emotions, but, um, you know, so be it. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, prepare yourself. We're going to have a little bit of a listen to this. It's not the whole thing, so we'll get through it. But this is some of Intermezzo from Cavalleria Aristocana. beautiful still there still here still Charles. there <laughs> yeah um so it, I, I want to it makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck it's extraordinary sorry it, I know no it's honestly it's this uh, do you know what this is the thing about strings and about the sweeping melodies that you do find in classical music I think it really does have that effect and I I think people for people who might not know so this is um 
so this piece comes in the middle of a one act opera. So it's like a sort of in an opera, you have recitative and you have arias. Now the recit or recitative is like the conversation and the story. And the aria is like this big moment and song of one emotion. But this intermezzo is basically like a moment of calm that comes in this opera. And during the opera, without going into too much details of the storyline, opera is often rife with heartbreak and with drama, like right from the start. But at this moment, there's a town square that the opera is set in and it completely empties and then the orchestra start with this intermezzo and so that's why it's just so peaceful and calm in the way that it's written there's no singing there's like a moment away from the voice if you like and I think it's really powerful and actually um, the composer uh, Pietro Mascani so he basically wrote this piece of music a bit like and I think this is the thing with classical music as well, which I'm so passionate about, is that if you imagine way back in 1880, right, there's like a, a competition. So it's basically like Britain's Got Talent, but in Italy, okay? And yeah. this is where all these young Italian composers who hadn't had an opera on stage, they got this opportunity to write something. So he got together with a librettist, which is like someone who would write the lyrics. And they um, they came up with this one-act opera and he essentially won the competition. And this was like his this was his moment. It was like his kind of big uh, breakthrough piece of music. It was his number one, if you like. And this is why it became, it actually started a whole new movement of music. And so actually it's, even though it's been used in so many films where it came from, you know, was this uh, so many years ago. And I, and I love that how music just, you know, for you, it probably sounds as clear as day now and sounds so in the moment and here and now, and yet it was written all that time ago, which I think is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It really, I, I, I didn't know any of that. I'm, I'm, it's nice to be educated. It is, it just is an amazing piece of music, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Um, it's so emotive. I, your point about the strings is, is so sort of such a wise one. I, I, I just absolutely love it. And um, yeah, it, it does the business where it's required to. Absolutely. And actually, I, I read this um, quote that the composer said. So he said, it's a pity I wrote Cavalleria first, he said at the end of his life, for I was crowned before I came became king, which I think is really beautiful Very as good. a quote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but good. I mean, such a great choice and piece of music and obviously something so special to you as well. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing that with us. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's talk about Oasis. Uh, let's talk about your childhood a bit more and, and stand by me, this song. Great song as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... It is it is a bit of a cliche, I suppose, but you know, in much the same way that my my parents grew up on the Beatles, you know, I was a kid of the early middle nineties, and Oasis just were the soundtrack to that time. Um, and I look back now, I mean, it, this is my favourite of the Oasis tracks, but I I was very lucky; I had all the albums, and they I sort of listen to them as much now as I I did then, really. Um, <laughs> sorry, it just was. It just was the music that I, I grew up on in that kind of that period where you're working out who you are, I suppose, without sounding too deep and profound. Um, you know, I look but I'm quite a nostalgic person, um, but I definitely look back on, you know, Oasis, Blur, um, Euro 96, um, Nebworth, all that kind of um, that, that kind of era with, with huge kind of fondness. And um, it just was electric. It was hugely exciting. I watched the funny enough the other day. Um, the documentary Supersonic, and I don't know if you've if you've watched it or not, but it's yes, yeah. it's a very yeah, it's a brilliant doc which starts with Oasis flying into their, their concert uh, at Nebworth and then goes back in time and then brings them back there again. But the line that they came out with, which is it's it was the final act of the of the pre digital era, as in it was the final thing that you had to be at in order to experience it before camera mm. phones and before YouTube, sort of just really resonated um, and. You know, I, 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 funny enough, I've actually got a mate who looks after Liam now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's amazing to see both of them kind of carrying on in the way that they do. But I just, I would pay so much money to go to the reunion. I'm not sure if it would have happened or not, but it just, th- theirs was the music. We can that, live in hope. We can live in yeah, hope. Yeah, we can live in hope. But th- <laughs> theirs was definitely the music that just was the soundtrack to me between the ages of 14 and, and 18 and, and whatever it was. And those are, you know, seminal years, aren't they? And do you, I mean, we thought you've talked, you know, you touched on it there, this digital world that we live in now, and it's like you say, changing so fast as well. Do you, do you want to kind of um, push your, your children into going and seeing live music, hopefully when it is back? Um, Is that something that's important to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't think I'll have to push certainly my, my son. I mean, he's, he is, you know, music is very much his thing. He runs around on a football pitch and he does mini wasps and stuff. But, you know, when he gets home, he goes and picks up his guitar and he's he's absolutely into, you know, who people are and the history. And, um, you know, he watches endless YouTube videos. I, yeah, live music is is definitely something I would hugely encourage them to do. My daughter actually sang for enough in her school choir at the O2. Um, oh, for Young Voices. T- yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, amazing. Um, and I went to watch her do that. And again, I, I don't know whether it's me and her, but again, I found myself sort of up in the rafters with sort of tears in my eyes um, just because, it, you know, there are 1,200 kids or whatever it is um, all singing their their, their songs. And it, that was very, very emotional. And I think my daughter got quite sort of captured by that. Um, yeah. But I will definitely drive them into live music. We, we live in Shepherd's Bush, so we're literally around the corner from, from the academy. Oh, amazing. What a great spot as well to go and see your first gig or something. Yeah. Proper, proper sort of old school, I think. Um, Yeah. And and we should be back out there sooner or later. 
I know, I know. Please, we live in hope. But I, I should mention yeah. as well, Young Voices, which we we're talking about there, is it's this amazing thing. It's actually a charity organisation as such that basically brings together um, children from schools all around the country. They're now in America, I think. They're now in Germany as well. And, and basically there's about, I think it's up to about 3,000 children every night in different arenas yeah. around the country singing amazing songs. And like was, I was saying earlier, it's this power of kind of all these people coming together um, from different places and different backgrounds and just singing music and having a great time and all the parents are there and everyone gets involved and it's great fun actually it's a wonderful atmosphere to be part of okay let's have a little bit of a listen to some of this track stand by me oasis stand by me That was the very famous Stand By Me by Oasis. I sound like I'm doing a radio show. Um, (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Alex, did you know it was kept from number one by the equally famous Elton John with the single Candle in the Wind? I do know I did not know that. That is a very good stat. Um, I know, it's interesting. I did the old Wikipedia check and thought, hmm, that's an interesting point we'll bring up today. (laughs) Candle in the Wind. I mean, how many weeks did that have at number one? That was... I think many, many, I think actually it's one of those that, yeah, it kind of holds many, many records as well, obviously because of being in memory of Princess Diana and just that kind of, it was a a music for a moment, I think that, you know, hit so many people, but I don't know whether you think we'll have, you know, bands like Oasis again, or do you think that era of music is, has gone, you know, because it's so digital now? Yeah, I think you'd know far better than I would. I, I'd be amazed if you get anything that sort of captures the masses in the way that Oasis did. I mean, they were so of their time and, I mean, they simply couldn't get away with it now. I mean, you could not be Noel and Liam wreaking havoc wherever you go. I just mm-hmm. don't think it's probably not even socially acceptable anymore. I mean, I know there are sort of bad boys in music out there, but not bad boys who go mainstream, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I'd, I, I, I'd be amazed if we see just a band of that unbelievable energy and that unbe- unbelievable sort of power dominate in the same way. What do you think? I, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think they were of their time so much that if they were to be around now, I think they would obviously gain huge success, but not quite in the same way. I don't think it would be so kind of euphoric for their fans every time that they performed or they released something or, or even spoke, you know, I think that, yeah. that kind of, um, I think it's down to the fans. I think fans are... Uh, in some ways more open but online and on social media as opposed to kind of being that way in person and in real life and there's less opportunity I think to do that now especially at the moment so I think so much is directed online um I feel like it's a very different experience for a fan and so they don't probably feel as close to that sort of act or band or singer whatever it is I don't know though I think you know we have the likes of Adele and Ed Sheeran and these people who are iconic you know now um but I I think yeah music's definitely changed and I wonder if it will change again in light of what's happening in the world now as well it'd be interesting to see um 
But I mean, we're going to talk about a song that's, you know, going even further back, released in 1984. <laughs> uh, tell me about this song by Don Henley, Boys of Summer. Why does this remind you of, of such good times? Do you know, it's funny. I This is my fourth choice and I... I, I, I went in and out and I had so many sort of songs that I was going to swap in and swap out. I just ended up with this one because it just ends up putting a massive smile on my face. I'm smiling um, now when I mention it as well. <laughs> it, it, I don't know why. It just is. I mean, I, I, I didn't grow up on the Eagles. I wasn't a massive Eagles fan, but I love the story of them having sort of got into them later in life. I actually went and saw them live in the Hell's Frozen Over tour, which was, you know, obviously they had a hugely acrimonious breakup and I don't know the times and the dates, et cetera, but they broke up and said, well, that's it, we're done, we're never speaking to each other. And I think Don Henley was asked, will the Eagles ever play together again? And he said, well, we'll only play together when Hell's Frozen Over. And lo and behold, they all probably financially thought, Christ, it'd be quite good to get back together. I was going to say, so yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, they went on the Hell's Frozen Over tour. Um and you know they are. I was late to them, but I do I do love them as a as a group, and I, I love you know what they stand for and what they've achieved. But Don Henley's Boys of Summer just sort of spits out of that, and it it just is an it just honestly it reminds me of summer holidays. It reminds me of um, going away post my finals. It reminds me of holidays with friends, sort of in my early twenties. Um, it just is one of those tracks that was always whacked on in the sunshine and. It just kind of stands for everything that it was written for, I suppose. Um, and I, I just, just, just because it reminds me of the heat and the sunshine, I just wanted to put it in as my fourth because whenever it comes on, it makes me smile. Simple, simple that. as that. Yeah, I love that. And do you, is this the kind of music, because we talked about so many different types and genres of music today. Do you listen to a lot of your music in headphones or kind of out big on the stereo, on the speakers? Is this something that you'd have kind of blaring, I sense? Yes, this is, and it's such a cliche, but this is, um, this is a track, you know, when, you know, when you're going to a party in the summer, this would be early twenties and you, you just feel like you've got the world where you want it. It's sort of one of those um, those tracks nowadays I listen to a lot on I listen to a lot on headphones so I run quite a bit and I listen I actually get into some you know I love Faithless and I love r running to sort of quite big beats um, nice, and yeah. which I find it helps me work better as well actually when there's when there's something sort of in my ears um, but then in the car it's probably more bands I suppose in the car funnily enough it's um, not Peppa Pig in the car then when it's you're taking not no well, I have thankfully I have thankfully <laughs> Are you passed the Peppa Pig Peppa stage Pig. do you know it's funny you mentioned Peppa Pig so we used to record all the Peppa Pig episodes on our Skybox and I remember my life was was not mine anymore when <laughs> my daughter and I were watching Peppa Pig on the bed one evening and she got off the bed and potted off to do something else and I automatically went from one Peppa Pig back up scroll down press play and just tuned into the next episode and it wasn't until <laughs> I was about four or five minutes in that I realized I was actually watching Peppa Pig on my own on autopilot and I think that yep. was possibly the lowest of the low in my parenting days yeah um, but no we're, that, yeah exactly <laughs> everyone has um but no and, and this is the brilliant thing about having children who do who do love their music is that um you know my, my daughter's whenever when it, we, we play ipod shuffle in, in the car so everyone gets to pass it around and play this song my my daughter always plays ness and dormer it's her absolute favorite really? and my son will play anything from clapton to Jimi hendrix to so we're, we're quite we you know we definitely we give we give it a good a good spin on the ipod but um yeah, I think thankfully we're we're out of the Peppa Pig days, but definitely it's sing, sing along in the car. And if I'm at home, it's it's there's a bit a bit of a bigger beat just because it helps me concentrate and work. And certainly if I go running, that's what I listen to. 
Definitely. I think a lot of people um, find that as well. That kind of, like we mentioned at the start, that escapism as well, having some of a monotonous beat that carries on yeah. allows you, I think, for your thoughts to just sort of, you know, get a bit of space from the world and, and switch off for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's let's have a little bit of a listen to this then. So let's think we're going off for our summer holidays. We're all allowed on Go holiday. On, <laughs> this on. is Boys of Summer. <laughs> I think your your son needs to get that guitar riff down, right? Do you know, he's, he's going to start practicing this evening. I'm going to have him on that. And, and yes. He'll have it learned by breakfast. It's so wonderfully 80s. I am an absolute sort of bore for the 80s. I love Top Gun and, you know, I, all, all those kind of... I, I mentioned I'm quite nostalgic. I, I love being transported um, into different eras, eras through music. And that song just whips you straight back and makes you think of the 80s, which was, you know when I was a kid it's beautiful oh so many also like you mentioned there great movies from the 80s as well I mean we could yeah we could talk about that all day I'm sure um yeah so I guess so now we've had your four choices I now make a recommendation to you um this was this was really difficult it's always really difficult because I am trying to sort of force a, a song that you hopefully will like upon you but this isn't necessarily related specifically or directly to your other choices, but it's a very, um, it's an artist who recently, in fact, this year, in fact, only a few days ago, won the Mercury Prize. It's an incredibly talented artist called Michael Kiwanuka. And his, uh, he won his Mercury Prize for his album, which is self-titled this year. But this song that I've chosen is from um, his second album. And it was used heavily in the show Big Little Lies. I don't know if you watch that with Reese Witherspoon yeah. and other incredible actors. Um I love this song and I think there are elements actually that we've talked about today from these other pieces of music, whether it's got kind of this little bit of an oasis kind of, uh, I don't know whether it's like a vibe to it. I'm not quite sure how to explain it, but then there's also some beautiful harmonies and some strings at the very start of this as well. They're a little bit classical, but I also thought, I know that you're very nostalgic with your music. So let's not try and go back. Let's look at what's here and now it's 2020. And hopefully this is, you know, an artist that I think will will be someone who we look back on in 20 years time, you know, in that nostalgic way. So let's have a little bit of a listen to this track. You've got to go listen to it in full after, after this, you have to promise me that, but this one is called love. Please do. Thank you. Yeah. This one's called love and hate. There you go. It's a bit of a guitar solo there going into it as well. (laughs) 
So I've got a huge, huge smile on my face because you are very, very good at what you do because um, Michael Kiwanuka is one of my wife's absolute favourites. And oh, that is born, out of the, is born out of the back of Big Little Lies, which um, which we watched together. But she, because uh, is it Cold Little Heart, I think was the song. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so she got hugely into him off the back of that. But yeah, that's a very, very good selection. And I will I will tell her she'll she'll smile broadly. Yeah, it's a great song. And I think it's so nice as well that a show like that, that's kind of very commercialized in a sense with these massive names actually gave him that opportunity. And, you know, now he's won probably the biggest music prize, you know, that you could win as a, as a British artist. I think it's so cool. Um, but I love yeah. that song. I'm, I'm really glad that you like it and probably knew it already as well. But Alex, that no, just no, needs I, me I to say thank lot, you. I love it. Oh, Laura, thank you so much. It's been really, really good fun. And actually it's been such a treat to talk about something completely different and um you're very very good at what you do so thank you very much for having me on it's been a real no it's, it's been a pleasure and honestly i wish you well with all of your different um you know things that are going on at the moment sound so exciting and and i think it's amazing like i said that you've branched out to some incredibly exciting other things and avenues in life and we all have to do that and i think you've done it so well and i love you know the podcast that you've hosted and i think you're brilliant at what you do as well and and thanks for giving me the time to talk about music today Thanks, Laura. Digital high fives. Look for Digital- <laughs> elbows, elbows. Elbows, elbow you're right. Remember. Elbows. Yeah. Sods, sods. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple Reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.